Hello, and welcome to AMM Conversation, official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. I'm your host, Jason Karras. Before we begin today's episode, please make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and comment on this podcast. We appreciate the support. Season four of the podcast is exploring effective strategies for engaging HCPs via social and multimedia. My guest today is Dr. Eric Gantworker, an academic pediatric otolaryngologist and VP medical director at Level X, where he leads medical and educational strategy, directs CME and product development, and oversees the physician advisory board. Dr. Gantworker has a master's in medical education from Harvard Medical School, and he specializes in applying emerging technology to medical education. Your website says video games for doctors. I think it's a little bit more than that. Why don't you give our audience a little background on what Level X really is? Yeah, so really um, our platform was built uh, in order to advance the practice of medicine through play. And really we can do that through multiple different ways. One is through actual training of physicians as well as other healthcare professionals, um, both knowledge-based, skill-based, psychomotor-based type of training modules, as well as exposing them to either challenging cases, new devices, new pharmaceuticals, things like that, that they otherwise wouldn't have necessary access to, especially during the pandemic uh, when in-person and conferences have been canceled, getting that information has been a lot more difficult. So we actually can do that through our mobile platform, as well as now we have a cloud-based gaming platform that we can roll out through multiple different channels. The pandemic has really accelerated a lot of technologies, but it's also, the pandemic's also cast a, a light on the weaknesses in medical education and training. What impact do you think that's having on physicians? A lot of the medical systems and the educational system, both at the medical school level, the residency training level, and continuing medical education was very predicated on in-person learning. Uh, we had a very strong system that was built on didactics. It was built on skill-based uh, for in-person training, and as well as physical simulation, which has really become popular over the last 15 years. One of the things that we didn't, that we sort of knew was coming was the need for both asynchronous learning as well as synchronous remote learning learning. And we saw the pandemic actually accelerated that. We saw it from a technology standpoint with telehealth, where we had to give access to patients uh, during the pandemic, as well as from a training standpoint, where the simulation centers were now closed and people weren't even allowed in them. And so you see some of these uh, infrastructure that we no longer can rely on. And so a lot of healthcare institutions, hospitals, and systems had to now move to more remote uh, learning, just like anybody else in society during this uh, pandemic. Uh, so you see a lot of these digital training software-based simulation apps that are really starting to get a lot of traction during and uh, probably following the pandemic because of that need for training to continue despite us not being able to be in person. Right. And you're an otolaryngologist. I mean, that is a, that is a, a, a specialty that likes to be hands-on, uh, right? Likes to look inside different orifices I've, I've, I've worked with I've worked with otolaryngologists before and you know they like the like you know touch and feel and be able to really uh, talk through things you know how is technology filling the void or that absence of being able to be in the same space or be able to touch look feel 
That's a great question. And, and really one of the things that, you know, I personally experienced, cause I'm actually a pediatric laryngologist. So it's even tougher for me when telehealth rolled out, uh, you know, people were like, okay, well, you can still see patients. So you can still try to do as much as you can in adult. You can ask them to open their mouth, stick their tongue out. You know, you can actually try to look in, you look inside their nose, look at their eyes, their face, their neck, things like that. In kids, that's almost near impossible, especially if they're really young. Yeah. So we see a lot of different technology adaptations. So, you know, we can use telehealth for certain things as we've done more in person, um, you know, really from an education standpoint and from a medical practice standpoint, we've seen a lot of these different technologies, uh, both wearables, biosensors, Bluetooth, you know, we have Bluetooth um, uh, uh, um, stethoscopes now that we can actually do some remote monitoring, some remote access, and we can also train people using devices. So, you know, even things like 3D printing where they can actually print out certain models. Uh, we do that for our own training for residency. Uh, they have to drill bones, uh, temporal bones. And so we used to use cadaveric bones, but there are centers, including Pittsburgh, that are actually using 3D printed temporal bones. And so those actually, you don't actually need to all be in the same place. You don't need to get cadavers. You can actually do it at, you know, if, as long as you have a drill and things like that. And if you're mm -hmm. looking at anatomy alone, you actually don't even need the drill. You can actually look at those three-dimensional models. Medical meetings, big industry, lots of education and socialization going on that's actually not going on right now. And we understand virtual has tried to fill that gap. Um, but in a, in a, in a year uh, where there were basically no medical meeting meetings and potentially very few, uh, for the next nine months, let's say a lot of, a lot of folks are probably not going back till 2022, although there are some outliers. Um, what has the pandemic taught us about the med ed industry? That's a great question. Uh, number one, feel bad for the caterers. Um, you know, there's there's a lot there's a, a lot of industries that are really suffering, and I think some of the things that really were predicated on that in person meeting. So number one, networking. I think networking has really suffered. You know, people can't network as much until we really got more facile teleconferencing. Um, I think grand rounds, uh, things that we do at the hospital level where we're actually meeting interdepartmental, were really suffered for a very long time until people started to really start using more technology based. Um, I think obviously from a media standpoint, from an industry standpoint, trying to get things in front of clinicians to actually look, hey, this is our new device. This is our new medication. This can revolutionize your care of patients. We've almost instantaneously lost that access, especially with hospitals who strongly restrict the amount of access into the hospital. You don't, you know, once you lost that other access, which was sort of that haven of the meeting, um, you start to think about other strategic ways to actually access. And I think you see more mobile platforms, you see teleconferencing platforms, platforms that are trying to really uh, uh, re-engage people through networking and the virtual meeting space. So I see a lot of virtual mm -hmm. meetings, even virtual presence where you actually have a, uh, a virtual environment where you're actually navigating and walking around to different areas of the conference. And they actually have that expo hall, but it's a virtual, which is actually pretty cool. I actually did a conference that uh, we did that where you had a virtual presence avatar that was moving around. You could actually network with people. So you actually, uh, your proximity turned on a microphone where you could actually talk to the people. Um, you know, so we see a lot of the technologies that are trying to make up for the differences, and we're trying our best to actually uh, get this back up and running, and who knows when we're going to be back in person. We, we'll see a lot of these technologies continue and persist, and you'll see, you know, it'll probably be a hybrid model at some point of things that yep. we'll actually see in person and those that'll be virtual. You know, and I've talked to a number of medical associations and event planners over the last six months, and 
they're scared about the hybrid model. Virtual was one thing, but now having to do full live and potentially full virtual is daunting. Do you see some technologies emerging that will work perfect in a hybrid model where there's both an in-person and a virtual opportunity uh, for uh, you know medical learning? Absolutely. So I think one of the things we'll see in a hybrid model is the idea of synchronous and asynchronous um, models. And I think you'll see a lot of technologies where um, they more cater to the synchronous learning. Um, and then there's more self-enclosed, self-encapsulated type experiences that are better for asynchronous learning. And so, you know, people have used a different messaging platforms. I think Level X has done a very good job of this because we both already had our in-app uh, experiences where those are self-driven, autonomous, uh, self-enclosed experiences where you're learning about these challenging cases, you're learning about new medications, new devices, and those are, you know, there's no salesperson over your shoulder and you're learning about these in your own judgment-free zone in your in your uh, home at 9 p.m. at mm -hmm. night, right? When everybody else is asleep. We also have our remote play platform. Where we're actually doing actually our own gaming platform that is hosted in the cloud. And so you could actually play these on any different device anywhere else, as well as at conferences. So you can imagine where you have much more experiences for the in live where you're using some of these more advanced technologies like VR, AR, things like that, where you can actually do it at a conference. And that that same software that's running in VR at the conference can then also be accessible at home. You know, whether it's through the VR headset that you have at home at a consumer level, or that same software running on your phone or in your web portal uh, to be able to integrate with any kind of LMS. So you actually see uh, reusability of different softwares on multiple platforms. And I think that's going to be the key. And that is where people need to invest because then you can do it both hybrid, uh, uh, in person, virtual, as well as synchronous and asynchronous. I know my recent college graduate is a big gamer. Been a gamer since he was young, has all the devices. He's been all the way, he's been around the world for tournaments and, you know, is working with another guy on a YouTube channel. What can, you know, the medical media industry learn from gaming? Uh, $90 billion. That's what they can learn. Um, gaming is a $90 billion business. Uh, this is, this is not, uh, you know, uh, games often define technology adoption. So if you look back historically about platforms like DVDs and, um, Blu-ray and laser discs and things like that, and even VR now, you actually see that gaming, because it's so much on the forefront of technology. And a lot of those gamers are actually early adopters of technology. They actually will predict what technologies stay. And so you look at things like Twitch, which is, you know, a very, a live streaming, um, option and, and Discord, which is actually a messaging platform that's live and you can actually host and see what different people are doing and playing and actually interact with each other. You know, these types of technologies you'll see are starting to becoming more ubiquitous into our environment because of the virtual uh, presence and the virtual environments that we're going to be seeing in the future. But we look to gaming to see what's on the technology horizon. When uh, we actually were starting Level X, you know, when early on in Level X, we actually brought physicians to the Game Developers Conference that happened every year in San Francisco to see all of the really cool technologies that are going on, all the different interfaces that are going on, the basically what is the cutting edge of technology. We brought them to GDC to have them take a look around and they were they were amazed. 3D capture, uh, which is something that we could use in medical education 
today. You know, 3D image capture, all these different types of things where it then uh, translates into a virtual avatar of that individual person, and then they can interact with the environment, the virtual environment through the game. Uh, we yep. see all these interactions as well as the entire, besides the technology, there's the psychology of games. Games are an opt-in experience. People are intrinsically motivated to play games. And I go around talking at every single person that will listen to me about understanding the psychology of games and how they are deliberately designed for intrinsic motivation to keep going and how that is very, very different from the concept of gamification, which is taking superficial elements from the games like badges and competition and putting that onto educational experiences. That's not the power of games. The power of games is in the design and the psychology behind the design and what they design for to make people keep going because if they don't keep playing, they're not going to keep buying. And so there's a reason why it's a $90 billion business. And now VR is now being attached to games. We can learn so much from, from, from this, uh, from this industry. Active experimentation. I know you sent that over earlier. Yeah. It sounds very academic. Can you break it down for us? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times in medical education, we were really, um, you know, decades ago, we were predicated on practicing on patients. Um, and that was sort of the model that was built out in the early 19th century or the early 20th century that, you know, we would practice on, on patients and we would understand, okay, how do you do this procedure? Well, do it on a patient. We always had this old adage, see one, do one, teach one. And really, as we really got popular into more simulation, we realized, oh, we can practice this without patients. And obviously there's been a big drive for patient safety. And we want to move as much training out of the clinical realm as possible so that people have more competency and more expertise when they actually are interacting with patients. Simulation was one answer, but we saw during the pandemic that physical simulation and task trainers were basically unlock under lock and key. And now you no longer had access to those different training modules. But I think the thing about simulation and the thing that we talk about software-based simulation and games is that you can see this trial and error, this active learning that, okay, I'm going to try this strategy. If it doesn't work, I'm going to try again. That is uh, basically very core to games. Games are all about trial and error. Think about the way that you learned how to play Pac-Man right? You didn't, you didn't read the rule book. What you did was you like ran around and said, oh, if I hit those ghosts, I'm going to die. Uh, but I get to play again, right? And, and now no harm, no foul. And so then you start to learn the rules of the game and strategies of the game by actually playing and doing that trial and error in a safe environment uh, without judgment because there's nobody over your shoulder. And we can learn again, back to your old question, how we can actually apply that active experimentation from games to medical education. Well, let's just take that one step further. Uh, can you give a couple of real world examples of how, you know, video games for docs, you know, enhance or, or provide a, a substantial educational experience? Yeah. So, you know, in the light of active experimentation, one of the things we saw with some of our games early on was that we actually had a dosing game where we actually were turning how to um, uh, dose a certain medication that has a very narrow therapeutic window. And what that means is, is that if you dose it too low, you can get into problems. If you dose it too high, you get into problems. And what we actually saw was that our players would actually go through, our, our clinician players would go through and they'd actually do, do it right the first time. They would do excellent and they wouldn't just go on to the next level. What they would do is they would go back and they would experiment. 
they would actually try to turn it way up to see what would happen and see if the system supported, what would the complication be? If I underdose, what would happen? And so you actually see this active experimentation in our games, which wasn't even the intention. Like, we, you know, we, we obviously uh, create an environment where people can explore and that discovery and that ex exploration is the learning and they're motivated to keep playing and keep trying out the system. And I think that was a wonderful experience that we had at Level X early on that we've now introduced because we have complications. And so that's the big difference between a more passive learning like, hey, this will happen right. instead of you making the choice, seeing the outcome of your choice and then changing your choice. That is the magic of games. And that's how we approach this type of content. Dr. Gantworker, what are the monetization opportunities we sort of have this opportunity to have a very large audience who are deeply engaged in our games. You know, we have over 700,000 healthcare professionals that are playing our games. They're coming back multiple times. They're staying in our apps for nine to 10 minutes at a time. Um, and uh, basically they're there because they want to be there. They're intrinsically motivated. We talked about that with games. And really when you have an engaged audience, it's a huge opportunity to get different brands, different ideas and different devices in front of those individuals um, as part of a sort of a, a, an advertising or digital advertising type experience. We take it one step further where we actually work with our clients to say, hey, what is it you're trying to feature here? And we'll actually make a, a, a software-based um, experience that will then live within our app. So then we actually develop something specific to those needs and then again, put it in front of our audience, or we can actually put it on our own platforms where you know, you're going to be engaging with physicians at conferences or in their own offices or even if you want to host some type of virtual teleconferencing experience, you can actually use our remote play to actually create a custom experience where you're actually engaging with those physicians, engaging with those healthcare professionals around a discussion. And we make remarkable experiences and, and remark, remember that, you know, the more emotion, the more energy, the more fun that they're having, that tie to memory is extremely strong. And so we encourage our, our clients to take advantage of that because when you're in a very heightened state of awareness, you're actually actually much more likely to remember different things that um, get uh, posed to you and, you know, that really strong tie between memory and emotion. Everybody's talked about the acceleration and the change in, in engagement to experience versus just a promotion, let's say, of, you know, so it's interesting to see, hear you say, you know, we're the average users in nine minutes, you know, that is a captive audience, right? Yeah, and that and that goes to the heart of the design principles behind our games, where it's just not like something superficial. It's really understanding how people engage with these types of experiences and keep keep them engaged, because obviously, as you know, they don't have a ton of time. We'll be right back after a message from the Association of Medical Media. We're back with Dr. Eric Gantworker of Level X Media. 
speaking about video games for doctors. Now let's get back to the conversation. From medical media working with or considering uh, gamification partners, what are the KPIs they should be most aware of? For us, you know, one of the things we try to really focus on um, is, you know, obviously engagement. So, you know, we want to know exactly how long and how much people engage because people are coming back multiple times. Uh, we can actually see, you know, uh, learning over time as their uh, different data that we track on the back end of are they are where are they clicking, where are they looking, what are they doing, and we can actually understand change in performance over time. And that's really something that we track internally as well as share with uh, any of our, our clients and partners. Um, I think really one of the other things that we can um, uh, showcase is, uh, you know, that that knowledge acquisition of what, what it is. So we actually can do before and after to look at does it improve performance, does it improve knowledge, does it improve awareness, which is really those KSAs that we look at on the medical education side of the outcomes of those experiences. And I think all of our potential partners and clients can take advantage of that to actually see what the impact was. Have you been able to identify HCP uh, or HCP by specialty or by demos. I mean, we would think it trends young. Uh, who are the early adopters? Absolutely. So, you know, realize that the average age of gamers is about 35. So, you know, for as many young people as playing games, there's uh, many old people, older people, I'll say, uh, that are also playing games. And I think that one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, when you play Candy Crush on your phone or anything on your phone, you are playing games, right? And so some people don't even realize that they are a, a gamer because it's, you know, just that ingrained, like, oh, I'm not a gamer type experience. Um, for us, you know, we we build specific specialty uh, type experiences to target those types of uh, specialists. So anesthesiologists and airway acts, cardiologists and cardio acts, and we really tailor that experience to them so that we really know, okay, this is our demo. This is who we're trying to target. What is it that they want? What is it that they, they need? And then we actually go through that design process of extracting that data from them. What is the type of things you want to experience and then targeting back to them. And then we look at our target demographics. So we'll actually play test with uh, you know our age groups that we're trying to do to make sure that the experience is tailored to those individuals. And I'm sure you know our, our group can actually share out some statistics about our average, uh, but it's not as young as you think it is, especially amongst healthcare professionals. And so you know one of the things that uh, we've realized is you know obviously people register for our games, so we know who they are, we know you know what their experience is. Oftentimes we know what their actual subspecialty is based on uh, their registration process, and then we can report that back to our clients and partners if that's something that they're interested in. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, the, the secret sauce is understanding those those folks that you're trying to target and actually designing for them instead of just saying, I think, you know, they'll like this. And then you'll see, you know, a very different audience start to engage with that. Do you see other opportunities, like you said earlier, telehealth, EMR, yeah, I think it, it's uh, you know, one of the things we've realized at Level X is, uh, you know, we have the capabilities to do almost anything. Um, you know, we've worked with partners uh, from uh, NASA and the Translational Research, Research Institute for Space Health to do something a little bit different than what we're doing. So we have the capabilities to do anything that uh, that we would like. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we really focus on is, you know, again, our, our core mission, which is advancing the practice of medicine through play. Um, EMR needs a, needs a revamp. Um, people need to uh, 
even learn how to, you know, I just went through EMR training. That was the most terrible experience <laughs> of my entire life. And it's the most terrible experience of everybody's life. Uh, I would love to understand how game mechanics and game design can actually change that. One of the things we actually did see was um, BLS training. So basic life support training actually changed. And now they actually have a more game type environment. We're actually managing different cases uh, through almost like a game interface. So they've already realized that there are elements of games that actually can change the way that this really old, boring, dry content was delivered. I think telehealth, we saw all these people overnight who had to learn how to use telehealth who were not digital natives and trying to understand, okay, how the heck do I do this? And so absolutely, we can use the game technology because again, it's relatively accessible for a lot of people. Are there any opportunities for medical media right now yeah. So, you know, uh, one of the things that we really are, are, are good at is trying to create these experiences and get them in front of uh, healthcare professionals and engage those healthcare professionals, like I said, for nine to 10 minutes, have them coming back over and over. And so really what we work with is our different partners and clients, whether it be medical media, whether it be pharma or industry to really try to understand, okay, what is it you're trying to get in front of them? What is the brand? What is the value proposition? What is the information you're trying to get in front of them? And obviously there's always opportunities to work with level X to try to reimagine the way that you're engaging with those healthcare professionals, whether it be an app, whether it be on a remote play platform, whether it be in a virtual conference or in an actual person-to-person conference when those start back up in 2050. Um, so, you know, we can actually have those different experiences and Level X can really shepherd those different, um, you know, creative um, type experiences for healthcare professionals where it's not dry, it's not super passive, where you're just putting ads in front of them and hoping that they look at it for 30 seconds. Putting ads in front of people and praying that they will look at you. That's a that's a low blow. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. You can edit I've that been... out. Oh, no. I... <laughs> the term beyond the banner has been in our industry for 10 years. I've been chanting that for a long time. So. Yeah, I, I don't That's mean cool. to be, I, I, it wasn't meant to be yeah. offensive. All right, just a few more questions. And again, thank you for your time. And I really appreciate it. What's the biggest challenge uh, for your business right now? Having enough bandwidth to do all the projects that uh, you know are flowing through our doors, uh, like I said, we, we've had an unbelievable uptick in interest in our company, um, especially with everything that happened with the pandemic. Our remote pay platform, when we launched it, you know, where you don't have to download an app, you can have multiple users in the same environment. Um, we did that even before the pandemic. You know, we were already in works for that, but it uh, all of a sudden has exploded. So, you know, we we the biggest challenge we have is being able to take on everybody that we want to and being able to, you know, you know, turn this out in a matter of weeks, um, you know, bandwidth would be our probably number one challenge It'd be just because there's so much inbound interest. Excellent. And a few rapid fire questions to finish us off here. What emerging trend do you want to continue once we're back to relative normalcy? Yeah. I, you know, I think the idea that, um, we don't have to all be in person to exchange information. I think that's one trend, you know, as we see more use of teleconferencing, more creative usage of technology to actually bring us closer while we're apart. I think that is something that I would love to see um, persist. Telehealth in, in healthcare, uh, again, trying to bring people closer and connecting them while they're actually not physically together is probably the number one emerging trend that I would like to see continue. Telehealth solves a lot of access issues, doesn't it? Oh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Yeah. And, and you know, it, we were so slow to adopt it. It's been around for 15, 20 years, and we've just been so slow to adopt it longer than 15, 20 years, but 
Yeah, and you know, kudos to the administration. I know they stumbled through a lot of stuff last year, but them, CMS, dropping, you know, sort of the parameters around telehealth and accelerated that trend, right? And hopefully that'll continue. That was the number one barrier. And once they released that, I mean, it was a huge, huge flood. And I just hope that we, we never go back. All right. What about one thing you hope to eliminate? Lectures. Um, no, I, I still think that we know so much more about how people learn that uh, I would like to have us do away with any of these passive uh, modes of, of transmitting information. I think the idea that we could lecture at someone for eight hours in medical school and assume that they're going to walk out knowing 100% of what they know, we know that they're actually going to only remember 10 to 20%. Whereas if we put them into a lab and have them work around cases and have them actually teach each other, they're going to remember 80 to 90%. So that idea of active learning, we, we have to, we need to, uh, and now we have an impetus to do so because now we can't even have a lot of those lectures yep. um, in person. What are you most excited about for HCP gamification, video games for docs in the next two, three, five years? I think enabling the form of what I just said, you know, the idea that passive learning um, should be should be past us. Uh, we need to move into a more active learning space. And I think games allow us to understand how people learn by doing. And we can actually bring that to the healthcare professionals, to medical students, to residents, to trainees, and to anybody who's interested in doing um, any kind of information transfer. Games have a way of doing that. And, and if done well, uh, I think they can really push the needle. For our uh, Association of Medical Media membership, what is one thing you, you think that they should do or try in the next, let's call it week, 30 days? What should they, uh, what should they try to explore? They should check out our website. Um, so, <laughs> I, uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I think um, there is tradition and status quo that has been in a lot of industries. And I think medicine has been so steeped in tradition that it has actually hampered innovation. And I think one of the things I implore everybody to think about in the next 30, 60, 90 days is how the pandemic has overnight change the way of technology adoption in a very antiquated traditional space. And I think that that necessity to innovate, that necessity to think about things creatively and to be flexible, I hope that those persist. And I would like membership here to just look at what's out there. Look who's doing stuff. Look who's doing stuff, you know, uh, innovative, if you pardon the overloaded term. Um, but some of these technologies that people are actually utilizing to change the way that they've done things for years. Just, just challenge yourself to think about things differently, things, think about things creatively, and think about things from a totally different perspective. Great. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Jason. Appreciate it. That's all for this episode of AMM Conversation. Thanks for listening. AMM Conversation is the official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. Make sure to listen to each and every episode of AMM Conversation on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Kindly leave us a comment, subscribe, follow, or share this podcast. We appreciate the engagement. Make sure to join us next week as I hand over the podcast to CMI Media Group Social Media Director Ryan Birchenow for a roundtable discussion with experts from Doximity, Sermo, and Reddit. Also make sure to check out the AMM website, www.ammonline.org 
for the latest information and resources on medical media. In addition to fact sheets, industry research, and special reports, you can watch my monthly healthcare policy update featuring DC insider John Bigelow, or the new YouTube series, John Lochran Viewed Your Profile, all available on AMM's new YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the guests and not necessarily to the host or AMM or any other group or individual.